fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared. Here's Patricia Raskin with Positive Living on the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I am always excited and happy to be part of Voice America. Because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. So do I, and that's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. You can call us on Mondays, where we're here live, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, at 888-335-5204. And our rebroadcast is on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. I have a really special guest for you today. Um, I've been doing television and radio programs for about 20 years, and my focus has always been positive living. I started in 82, and I just believe that we really need to show the positive sides of life. And about 10 or 12 years ago, actually it's more than that now, it's about 12 years ago, I had a um, television program on a Fox affiliate, and I interviewed many, many people, and I was telling my guest who's on today that two people stand out in my mind from that program, and he's one of them, and he is on the program today. He's extremely inspirational. As he says, if I can do it, anybody can do it. My guest is Bill Irwin. Bill is a motivational speaker. Uh, he, is, he does many, many things. But the thing that stands out most, he's a keynote speaker, he's an author, he's a business consultant, he's a life coach, he's a certified family and marriage counselor and health minister. But still the thing that stands out most for me is his book, Blind Courage, which is based on the fact that Bill, with his seeing eye dog Orient, is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail. This historic hike began in Georgia and ended almost nine months later in north-central Maine. This amazing odyssey was the single most publicized human endeavor that year, and it's been an inspiring example for overcoming all the odds. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Patricia. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you inspire millions of people each year, I mean, as you give your message throughout the country. You know, before I ask you about the, the trail, let me ask you this. What is the major message, after everything you've been through, what's the major message that you give to your audiences? Well, I think the, the major message is that if I can do it, anybody can. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's, there are very few things in life that we can't accomplish that if we really set ourselves to it and become committed. Mm. How did you decide or come upon this idea to climb the Appalachian Trail, particularly as a blind person? Well, the the whole thing was a a spiritual journey. You know my background was that that I was an alcoholic for a long time and a miserable person had 
four failed marriages and three children that were out of control and very little peace in my life. And uh, God just delivered me from some of those things. And uh, as a result of that, uh, I felt led to share that message with uh, the people, not only on the Appalachian Trail, but in all the cities and towns between Georgia and Maine. So mm. it, was, it was a definitely a spiritual journey. Mm. I remember I, I have written a book that I tell folks about called Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. And I have your stories, a couple of your stories, in my book, Bill, as you know. I've read them, yes. Thank you. But you're welcome. But the one I'd really love you to retell right now, because I think it's amazing, it's in my chapter on Believe in Miracles. And it's about how you had never known about the Appalachian Trail, you had never hiked, and you started getting messages from people about the Appalachian Trail. It was, it was like God's way of telling you you needed to do this. Tell us about that. That was amazing. <clears throat> well, uh, the, the idea kept coming, and I kept suppressing it. And uh, I wouldn't say anything to anyone. And uh, uh, one day I was, uh, I was in a graduate school program in counseling, as you stated, <clears throat> at UNCG in Greensboro, North Carolina. And... Uh, one of my classmates abruptly asked me if I would come and speak to her Sunday school class. And before I thought, I said, when is it? And she said, it will be in April. And I said, I won't be able to do that. I'll be on the Appalachian Trail. And I thought of what I was saying. <clears throat> it was the first time that I'd ever uttered that. Mm-hmm out loud to anyone, and, and then I kind of took it back, and I laughed, and she said, that's very interesting, and a, a week later, she called on the phone, and she said, you know what, uh, I don't care whether you speak to my Sunday school class or not, but I feel, I feel very led to become actively involved in helping you do that. Mm. So now, this was before people started writing you letters. Yeah. You just got, it just came to you that you were going to be climbing the trail. Yeah. And then people started sending you information. And then I started getting, getting uh, information from, see, from other people. Uh, eight different people that, uh, I, that I hadn't heard from, some of them is in as many as 30 years. Mm. I got letters from or postcard or, some information, and it was all around the Appalachian Trail. Mm. And, uh, you know, that long list of excuses that I had generated of why I couldn't do it suddenly got put on the back burner. And mm. after I analyzed it and realized that it couldn't be a conspiracy because mm. <laughs> all of those people couldn't have just suddenly decided to do me in because they didn't know each other. So then you discovered or believed or realized that this was God, this was God speaking to you. There was no other explanation right. to me that could could have possibly made sense. So my question is, were you afraid, and how did you deal with the fear, even though you knew God was leading you to this? <clears throat> of course, I, I I didn't have sense enough to be too afraid because. 
I'd never been backpacking. I knew nothing about the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. except that it, I'd heard of it. It existed, but I didn't know anything about it. So I started from ground zero with information and mm-hmm. had to learn, uh, I call it on-the-job training, mm-hmm. because even though I thought I had prepared uh, emotionally, spiritually, and physically for it, I really hadn't. So how did you? So you didn't really prepare for it then? Well, I thought, like I said, I thought I did. Uh, The first thing I did was I took a class on that very thing, hiking the Appalachian Mm -hmm. Trail, Mm -hmm. that was presented uh, at George Mason University in Virginia Mm -hmm. by a man that had hiked the trail eight times. Mm. But. He, he failed to mention that he had never done it backpacking. He had always had a vehicle and people support. Mm. And it was a, a whole different ball game than what I was doing. Because now, when you did this, Bill, and you did this with your dog, who's no longer alive, but I remember your dog because you brought your dog in the studio. 12 years ago. What I want to know is, were there people behind you or within distance? I mean, were you being kind of monitored while you were doing this? Uh, Only in certain areas. Uh, There was no one that was directly associated with me at all. Mm -hmm. There were just a few places where, like, for example, there was one place in the Smoky Mountains that they had had some big disputes with some families over eminent domain mm-hmm. where the government takes land and 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 for for the purpose of making it public land mm-hmm. and, and they do it at what they call a fair market price but the people usually end up taking the short end of the stick and mm-hmm. and so these families had gathered uh on on a trailhead to uh give the people coming through a hard time and even uh, do bodily harm to them. Like they had fish hooks strung up across the trail. Mm-hmm. And in those areas, when something like that existed, the uh, the uh, Forest Service rangers mm-hmm. would fly over me all day with a helicopter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and make sure that I was okay. okay. Well, but other than that, they were... And that was just a couple of times. How did you deal with stumbling and falling and cold nights and, you know, not being clear? I, I mean, how how did you deal with all of that? I know you had the dog, but what did you do during those tough moments? Well, prayed a lot, you know, because I, I went out there with the idea that that I was being obedient. Mm-hmm. And that if God wanted me to do it, He was going to have to help me a lot, and I had to trust that because there was no no nothing else to trust. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I sure couldn't trust myself very much because, like I said, I knew very little about it. Mm-hmm. However, I learned an awful lot during that eight Wait, eight and, and a half months. And what you probably my guess would be that you know you think of your sight as the most key element in, in hiking, and certainly it is a key, but you must have learned how to rely a lot on your other senses. So that, the other- 
<clears throat> that, and I learned to trust my dog Orient a lot more mm-hmm. because uh, it was really amazing how uh, it was to watch him work mm-hmm. and, and to to see him gradually learn how to uh, navigate the Appalachian Trail almost as good as well as a person could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even learned to read the. The blazes, the, the little, the white marks on trees and mm. rocks and bridges and roads and things like that to follow those signs. Mm. Uh, it took him, it took him a long time to do it, but when, when the, someone would ask me how I stayed on the trail, it was fairly easy to, to respond that God led the dog and the dog led me and that's mm. the way it was and that mm. was a correct answer. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a break. Okay. We're talking to Bill Irwin, who is a speaker, an author. He uh, leads workshops all over the country, and he is an, a business consultant and a life coach and a certified family and marriage counselor, a health minister, and he is a blind individual who is the first blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail with his seeing eye dog, Orient. And he's telling that story, and he's talking about how if he can do things, you can do things, and how you can overcome the odds. You get, you're welcome to give us a call. Uh, we are at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can log on to Bill's website, which is BillIrwin.com, and that's I-R-W-I-N. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Information you need, when you need it, VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for True Life in God with Betsy Serafin. On the show, Betsy will talk about the importance of having God in your life, as well as discuss how God is calling Christians to come together in the heart. So make it a point to tune in to True Life in God every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Mario Verdad, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This is Dr. Pat Basile, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The defendant, having been found guilty, is sentenced to a term of five years imprisonment. Defendant will be remanded to custody immediately. On June 4th, my big brother was sentenced to five years in prison for a gun crime. That day, he sentenced me to five years of walking home alone from school. When you commit a gun crime, your family pays the price. Gun crimes hit home. A public service announcement brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. 
Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Positive Living is on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And we are on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we are rebroadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. I just want to say that I've been doing this work in the media for over 20 years, and it's been very specific work. It's been about showing positive solutions and practical strategies to issues. I've had radio and TV programs called Positive Living, Positive People, Positive Aging, whatever it is. And when I first started in the old days, you know, people said, oh, people don't want to hear this stuff. They just want to hear the negative sensationalism. Well, the tide has turned, and people do want to hear the solutions. And this program is all about giving you inspiration, hope, and strategy. And I've been on with Voice America now in my third year. I have a positive living show locally where I live, and that's been on the air eight years. So I'm, I'm very excited about the medium of radio, and I'm also very excited that I've had the opportunity to bring you these amazing guests. And today is certainly no exception. He's a gentleman that I had on my television show years ago. His name is Bill Irwin. And Bill, with his seeing eye dog Orient, is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail. This hike began in Georgia and ended nine months later in Maine. And this was the single most publicized human endeavor in that year. And Bill has gone on to become a speaker, uh, a writer, a business consultant, a life coach, certified family and marriage counselor, and health minister. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you. All right. And people, you can log on to Bill's website at BillIrwin.com, B-I-L-L-I-R-W-I-N. And you can call us today at 888-335-5204. Bill, something that I picked up on when you were talking, you were talking about Orient, the dog, during Mm -hmm. your climb, and you were saying how you know, you could you saw how the dog could help you, and you kept using visual words like "I saw" or "It was really clear to me," or um, and and what I got from that is that you speak like a person who has their eyesight. So my guess is that you really don't see yourself as impaired or see yourself as blind. You see yourself as sighted. Well, I'm not so foolish as to deny the reality of my blindness, Patricia. But one thing that I've learned over the years is the people approach uh, a person with any kind of a physical disability as though they got leprosy a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is not that they uh, don't want to interact with that person, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've tried to do right up front is to disarm them to the point where they don't have to use clumsy English around the disability. Mm-hmm. For example, people 
don't like the word blind for some reason or other, and they, they use words like unable to see, sightless, uh, visually impaired, mm-hmm. all those politically correct words, and <laughs> I just come right out and say I'm a blank, and that means I'm blind, and you might as well just hit it right head on. Mm-hmm. But in in the language that I use, I did have sight for 28 years, mm-hmm. and and I'm a visual person. Even though I can't see anymore, I still don't skirt the issue of uh, using I saw because I, I do see, I just do it differently than other people. Mm. I, I use my other senses to get the same perceptual images that a lot of people get through their eyes. Uh, it's interesting, in a furniture reef, uh, refinishing plant, uh, the, the, the finish work, is usually inspected by a blind person. Really? And a lot of furniture, real fine uh, first-class furniture finishing operations mm. because with their fingers they can see blemishes that the, the eyes can't see. Mm. And our, in other words, our tactile sense is so sensitive mm-hmm. that we can actually see things with our fingers if we're mm-hmm. trained to do it a lot more in detail than we can with our eyes. And other senses, too, right? And other I mean, senses, senses, you know. Smell and taste. Taste, and hear, and hearing. Right. And, and there's a vestigial sense in all of us human beings that is undeveloped unless it's needed, and that. That's a phenomenon called facial perception, and, and that is just the sense that something is close by, mm-hmm. an object or a person or a void. And uh, blind people, since they can't see, develop that sense to an extent that uh, people consider it uncanny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can walk down the corridor of a office building, and I can tell you everywhere there's a door because mm-hmm. I can sense the void of that door being open, if it is open. And, uh, mm. you know, uh, I I know a lady that's been blind since birth that can shake a, a can of vegetables and tell you what's in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how she does that, but people mm. people don't know how I can walk down a corridor and tell tell you when there's a door where there is a door or I can I can reach out for a doorknob and and grab it 99% of the time as so well. and you get that bill from your your sense of it's a, it's a sense of a presence that no one can adequately explain okay. like <clears throat> energy you feel the it's, energy it's an energy or the lack of it mm-hmm. that, that you feel and it's, your face is more sensitive to it than any other part of your body, and that's why it's called facial perception. There's, mm. there's an awful lot that has been written about it. Yeah. So if anybody wants to go to the Internet and look up facial perception, you can read. That's interesting because I didn't know about that. Yeah. And one of the in other people I've interviewed and read, and read about, people often will say that there's a sixth sense, and that's your yeah. intuitive sense. So the intuitive sense also is is a, is a sense. 
That's right. But this is this is different than that. This Although is it is intuition, but it's still different. It's still a physical presence that right. you can actually feel by the with the uh, uh, nerve endings in mm-hmm. your skin. Mm. Another interesting thing that most people aren't aware of is that even though the, a person's face is one of the most apparent parts of their body, it's also one of the most private. Uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting how people are, are really sensitive about someone touching their face. Mm. I learned that a long time ago when I was trying to... Uh, visualize what someone looked like by feeling their face. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a, such a touchy area uh, that that I ra- quickly learned that that's not a socially appropriate behavior to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you Except think about that. Except with very few people. Yeah, yeah. Almost uh, private in the areas of yeah. People that you're very intimate or close to. Exactly. Yeah. So you think yeah. about other parts of the anatomy as being mm-hmm. off limits, but so is the face. Hmm. Interesting. And after a lot of years of not seeing faces, uh, one loses their interest in physical appearance anyway. You can you can get a lot more insight into a person by talking to them and being with them than you can by mm. trying to determine what they're Well, you know, it's, it's interesting when you say that because as, a, as an interviewer by, on radio and on phone, I've met, you know, so many people over the phone, and I have developed a very, very keen auditory sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I will pick up things by phone that most people would have to be in front of the person to pick up. That's right. And and it's just it, because I've been doing it so long. And yet, if you look at when I was teaching communication skills, Bill, they say that 55% of communication is visual. Yeah. 55%, and I think 37% is tone, and like 7% is words. So most of the time you're communicating, you're getting a lot from what you see. Yeah. Now, yeah. so if the, if it's then 45% is a combination of tone and and hearing. Then you have, according to the statistics, you're working off of less than half of what's available to you. And yet, like you said, you just put all the other senses to work. And I have just found that I can pick up so much. You know, I mean, even it's the pauses, it's the tone, it's the inflection, mm-hmm. it's just all of it. So, and you can't explain it, but you start to get that. Um, so you have overcome that percentage that most people have to have uh, by, by becoming so tuned into your auditory sense right. and other senses that you, you've actually compensated for it. And to, to further illustrate that, uh, all of my counseling that I do is by telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, most counselors yeah. work face-to-face right. because, of, because of that communication mm-hmm. thing. But uh, now I have clients all over the country that I work with, and I do it all by telephone. Mm-hmm. Even and I have, well, I have done that, too. I do coaching, and I've worked with counselors on both sides, whether I've been the counselee or I've been the counselor, by phone. And for me, it works. But yeah. as you said, it, it's not going to work for everybody. 
I haven't seen anyone that has failed to work with if it, once they get past the initial shock of the fact that we're doing it by phone. Well, and this brings me up to one of the topics you talk about, and then, then we're going to take a break, and that is disabilities. And what you say is that we're really we're all differently able. That instead of calling it a disability, that we should call it differently able because all of us have a disability of some sort. Yeah, I think that there there are very few people that get through this life unscathed with some kind of a blemish that someone could construe as being a disability, especially in the politically correct world we live in now. There's a I'm a, there's an excuse for everything now. Mm -hmm. It comes under a heading of a disease or a disability or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. to, to help us to skirt personal responsibility a lot. But even with that, you know, uh, if we if we consider ourselves disabled, then we are. Mm -hmm. and so I like the word differently abled. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I don't really consider myself disabled at all. Mm -hmm. There are a few things that I can't do. One's driving an automobile. The other one's reading print. And other than that, uh, I can do uh, most anything that I want to do. Uh, mm -hmm. I even offer, you know, you and I have talked about the fact that my wife and I are building a home, mm -hmm. and we're the crew. I know, and that's, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. That is fascinating to me. I'm talking to Bill Irwin. Bill is a, a motivational speaker. He's an author. He's a coach. Um, he, with his seeing eye dog, Orient, is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail. Very inspirational. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant. Today, more and more student-athletes are bypassing college and heading straight to the pros. Matt Bush, Freddie Adu, LeBron James. Discuss the benefits and pitfalls of going pro on the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks provides straightforward, no-nonsense talk about the current and sometimes controversial topics facing student-athletes and their parents today. Agents want to make money. Schools want the publicity. The Sport Mavericks wants what's best for you. So whether you or your child is thinking about bypassing college or looking for the best university to showcase their talents, listen to the Sport Mavericks with Ida Moyer and Mama Starks every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Sport Mavericks, smart talk for parents and athletes. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? 
stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Tune in every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to Voice America for Global Security with Victor Plesner. Global Security is the show that covers international security issues for all walks of life since 9-11 and what the future may present to keep our world safe. You will hear from leaders of global security companies as well as authors of books on law enforcement and terrorism. So join us Fridays at 8 a.m. for Global Security with Victor Plesner right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Into Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can call us at 888-335-5204. Positive Living is here on Voice America on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. My guest is Bill Irwin, who is really quite an amazing individual. Um, Bill is a motivational speaker. He's an author, business consultant, life coach, certified family and marriage counselor, and health minister. Bill Irwin, with his seeing eye dog orient, is the only blind man to have, the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail. And this historic hike began in Georgia and ended nine months later in north-central Maine. And this was the most publicized event of that year. Bill, when was this? Welcome back. When was this? It was in 1990. This is my 15th anniversary year. Mm. And I think I had you on my program in 92. I think so. 92, that's right. So it's been 14 years. Mm-hmm. I have time flies. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about you, what you're doing with your house, but while we're talking about the trail, I want to go back to something because I'd asked you this during the break about how it felt and what it was like for you when you would fall and, you know, how you caught the courage to get up and did you fall off. And talk about the falling and about learning the lessons from the falling. Well, in the in the beginning, I spent more time on the ground than I did on my feet because my dog was trained in the city, and he was trained to stop for any depression or elevation in in the terrain that exceeded an inch and a half. And, and so, uh, if we'd have done that, uh, I'd still be in on Springer Mountain 15 years later because mm-hmm. it would have it would have prohibited me making any progress at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to encourage him to overstep what he'd learned, and in the process I fell. Mm-hmm. And so the first few days I, I'm sure I fell 50 or more times a day, mm-hmm. and I could tell progress as those, things as the number of times diminished a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, a reporter in Massachusetts t- 
told me that he had estimated that I had fallen 7,000 times. Mm. And I laughed when he said that, and I asked him where he got his information because it, it had to be an underestimate. Mm-hmm. But I told him or anyone else that asked that it was, I never considered it important how many times I fell. What was really important was how many times I got up and how many days during that 258 days in a row that I didn't fall at all. I kept up with those days, and the number was seven. And that sounds like not a very good batting average, but if you consider going from an average of at least 50 times a day in the beginning to a place where I could go a whole day without falling at all, that's pretty good progress. And And that's what you counted. And that's what I counted. You didn't count the number of times you fell. Never. Not Mm -hmm. at all. I was looking for progress. And is that what you advise to people when you give your talks? Sure. Yeah, you know, we, if we focus on all the bad things in our lives, we're going to spiral our emotions right down to the pit. Mm-hmm. But if, we, if we've got some positive thing that we can hang our hat on and focus on that, albeit small, it works, and it works 100% of the time. And that, that's what I help people in counseling do is to focus on something good and something positive. And, and, and that way that helps them to overcome the negative things that all of us have to cope with in order to get through this life. Mm. One of the things, Bill, that you had talked about um, before the break, you started to talk about how you and your wife are building a log home on your property and how you run the forklift, you operate that, which is usually done by a sighted person. Talk about that. Yes, uh, the, the reason I brought that up was we were, we were talking about being differently abled, mm. and uh, I was using this particular thing as an illustration of that point. Sometimes out of necessity, uh, I have to do things that, are normally considered the sighted person's job. And this forklift thing is one of them because my wife doesn't have enough strength in her legs to be able to hold the clutch in long enough. This is a huge machine that is an all-terrain forklift. That means that it's, it's good in the swamps and on mountains and every place. And the boon on the thing goes up 33 feet in the air. Mm. So sometimes we're lifting a log up 25 or 30 feet off the ground to put it in place on our building. Mm. And we do it by by using uh, walkie-talkies. And so my so she wife, directs you then? She, she uses her vision, and she directs me <clears throat> from... From above, she's standing up on a scaffold way up in the air, mm-hmm. and she gives me verbal instructions on how to get that log exactly in the spot that it has to be in before mm-hmm. I set it down. Mm-hmm. So it's a real tedious operation, as you can imagine, because of one wrong direction or one mistake on my part interpreting her directions, and uh, it mm-hmm. could be a a pretty serious event. Mm. 
some of those some of those logs weigh two thousand pounds. That wouldn't feel good coming down on someone's head. Wow. But well, we've we've done it with uh, great precision and uh, and accuracy. So isn't that God's, well, God's good? That's definitely directing this. <laughs> I have no question about it. And Bill, if you if someone is sighted and operating this equipment, do they also have someone directing them as well? Oh no, sighted no? people do it all alone. Okay. And okay. when I have people that come and want to help, guess who does the forklift? I do, because they haven't had the experience. There's a lot of levers and. Mm-hmm buttons and switches on this thing that well the reason i asked you that too is that you know many times you can't you know sighted people can't see certain things like when somebody helps you back up your car because you can't see what's behind you so that's why i asked if sometimes you know people who are sighted also get help yeah no well sometimes they might need some help but most of the time they're doing it strictly on with Mm. their own Mm. own resources Wow, boy, I'll tell you, I mean, talk about, talk about inspiration. So, here's my next question. When you are giving a talk and you're talking to people in an audience who feel a lot of stress, they feel their life is out of balance, what do you hear from them in terms of what they're going through mostly, and what do you say? Well, you know, we live in a world that we're being bombarded with change a, a rate that we've never experienced in the history of the universe before because of it's the information age and we're getting information so much faster than we can uh, incorporate it that it's overwhelming and uh, what I hear is that most people are overwhelmed with everything their, their lives are moving so fast Changes occur faster than they can uh, accept, and they just uh, become generally overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. so, in order to have coping strategies to deal with that state of constantly feeling overwhelmed, we have to just take some deep breaths and slow down and take care of ourselves. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I think. Do you think that prayer has a lot to do with this? I think prayer is a key element to being able to regain effective control of our lives any time that we become overwhelmed or any time that we want to have the peace and joy that our Creator wants us to have. It's the answer, I think. So it's kind of giving up your control and letting God control. Let go and let Him, because He's the Creator. He's the He's the Man. Mm. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest is Bill Irwin. Bill, with his seeing eye dog Orient, is the only blind person to have completed the Appalachian Trail, which is over 2,000 miles. And this hike began in Georgia and ended nine months later in Maine. Just amazing. And since then. Bill is now a celebrity keynote speaker, author, business consultant, life coach, family and marriage counselor, and health minister. You can uh, contact him through his website at billirwin.com, which is B-I-L-L-I-R-W-I-N. 
And you can contact me, Patricia Raskin, at my website, raskinresources.com, to listen to the archive shows that are on this program, Voice America, as well as to get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. And Bill is in two chapters of that book, the one on overcoming the odds and the one on believing miracles. So um, take a look at that, raskinresources.com. And stay tuned. Uh, after we come after the break, we're going to have some more inspiration and words of wisdom from Bill Irwin. I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. We'll be right back. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. Informative. Educational. Insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk, radio. Internet talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. As I always say, I'm always happy to be on Voice America because Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now, and so do I. That's why I'm here. My program, Positive Living, which is now in its third year on Voice America, brings you practical solutions and positive principles to help you live happy, empowered, and successful lives. There's still time to call in at 888-335-5204. We're here on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. My guest is Bill Irwin. He is quite an inspirational individual. Bill Irwin is a celebrity keynote speaker, author, business consultant, life coach, certified family and marriage counselor, and health minister. 
And Bill Irwin, with his seeing eye dog orient, is the only blind person to have completed the 2,168-mile Appalachian Trail. He did this in 1991. 1990, Bill, right? Right. 1990. And this hike began in Georgia and ended nine months later in North Central Maine. And welcome back, Bill. And from what you told me, no one has before or since that time, as a blind person, has done this trail. Is that That's correct. <laughs> there have been quite a few people in the past 15 years who have tried, but no one ever made it. Mm. Uh, in fact, no one ever made it 100 miles. Wow. How did and you I'm not bragging about myself, and I discourage anyone from doing it unless they there was a strong spiritual element to it because because of that fact. Would you I, do it again, Bill? I, I thought about it. Uh, I don't have any great aversion. You know, God gave us a gift of forgetting pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thank goodness. Our, That's we, right. We'd never do anything. <laughs> we wouldn't ever have but one baby. Exactly. People wouldn't hike yeah. but one trail. And right. There'd be a lot of things that we wouldn't repeat. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, my wife is an avid outdoors person. We do a lot of long-distance bicycle rides and things like that together. And we we do backpacking, too. Right now we're in the middle of the doing the Finger Lakes Trail in New York State. Mm. It goes from Bradford, Pennsylvania, over to Buffalo. It's about 600 miles. Mm. And But we've, we've talked about doing the AT together, you know, as kind of a 25th anniversary project of my mm. hike, which is coming up in about uh, 10 more years. <laughs> and uh, So at age 75, uh, it might take me a, a year to do it, but uh, I might just do that. I don't know. It depends on uh, how much enthusiasm she can muster up over it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that brings me back to reaching your goals and really getting what you want out of life. Where do you find in your talks and in your work with people, Bill, where do you find that people get stuck? Is it that they give up too soon? Is it that they just don't think they can ever do it? What do you think? I think it's a mindset that they they don't think they can do it. And, and if you think you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. It's all in the way you look at things. And, uh, but it's based on your past experience, right? You can't because you haven't on, been able to before. That's right. But once you start having successes and doing it, then it's, it's something that you can overcome, that mindset of can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, of course, all of the things that we've talked about so far, being differently able and overcoming the odds and all positive way of thinking and all of those things are part of being able to to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the higher the goals, the more likely we are to succeed. Mm. One of the things you talk, you've been talking about throughout the show is the whole idea of the, the culture and the time we live in. And one of your talks is about coping in the new millennium. What suggestions do you give to folks? 
Well, it's, here again, it goes back to the fact that if we don't have a good way to deal with our allostatic load, which is another word for stress, mm-hmm. then we, we're going to live in a constant state of being overwhelmed. And our body can't, it can't stand the, it can't stand that kind of pressure. Uh, there are chemicals in our bodies that are produced as a part of the fight or flight response, which is the definition of stress. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if that, if those chemical levels in our blood stays up at a high level all the time, we have that constant feeling of uh, anxiety and apprehension, and it it takes its toll physically on our bodies, it, our our heart, our vascular system, our every every major organ in our body, including our psyche, mm-hmm. is affected by that. And uh, so we just have to overcome it by managing it instead of letting it run our lives. Mm-hmm. So that means being quiet, doing some meditation. Prayer, uh, mm-hmm. meditating, mm-hmm. being quiet, uh, being able to get out that feeling of apprehension by doing regular and rigorous exercise on a, at least a five-time-a-week-per-week per basis, per basis mm-hmm. to uh, cut out things that aren't good for us like caffeine that, that add to that whole thing of stress uh, through chemicals like caffeine and nicotine or uh, constrict the blood vessels and impair blood flow to all parts of the body. So it's a, it's a, what I'm talking about is a lifestyle change mm-hmm. that all works together to create wholeness and balance and give us the things that we really want out of life. And you live in a beautiful part of the world in Maine, and you, you lead retreats where yes. you live, correct? I do. I do. I live on a beautiful uh, mountain resort of 72 acres overlooking uh, 110 of the last miles of the Appalachian Trail. Mm. and uh, overlooking a beautiful lake that's about a third of a mile from our home. Mm. And uh, my closest neighbor is almost a half a mile away, and we just uh, love every minute we spend here. Mm. And you lead marriage retreats as well as relationship retreats. That's correct. I've had uh, just in the past couple of years, I have been led to uh, work with a, a lot of couples in mm-hmm. marriage relationship, and uh, it led to starting to do some weekend seminars or retreats where we bring in a group of people and uh, mm-hmm. facilitate a wonderful healing and uh, wonderful. life lifestyle change. So, if uh, people want to get a hold of you, and they they go to BillOwen.com. That's right. B A L. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's been great, Patricia. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. Just wonderful. You're such an inspiration. Stay on the line for a minute. Okay. Next week, folks, we have, I'm so excited, we have a renowned uh, author on the program. 
A lot of you may know his name. I'm very honored to have Thomas Moore, who's the renowned author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Care of the Soul. He will discuss his comforting and prescriptive sequel, his new book, Dark Nights of the Soul, A Guide to Finding Your Way Through Life's Ordeals, which offers an uplifting, groundbreaking approach to life's darkest hours. And you can log on to careofthesoul.net. Very thrilled about this. Folks, remember that this program, Positive Living, is on every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we broadcast on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern and noon Pacific. And you can write to me at raskinresources.com. You can listen to my archive programs. You can also get a copy of my book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living. I'd certainly love to hear from you. And just want to thank you all for listening each week and tell you that it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you and to be able to share such amazing people who are transforming the planet in the way that we think so we can have more joy and more love and more success in our lives. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day. Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. 